Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Luke, Luke 19, verse 29. We're going to read Luke 19, verse 29. We'll read it through. We're going to read it through to verse 38. Luke 19, verse 29. We'll read it together. we read it as a church. Big, big choir. Luke chapter 19, verse 29, verse 28. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read verse 29. We're going to read the next verse. I'm going to read the next verse. We're going to read the next verse. All right? So let me go. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage at Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. You? Yes. And if any man ask you, why do you lose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. You? And as they were losing the cord, the owners therefore said unto them, Why lose ye the cord? And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the cord, and they set Jesus thereon. Verse 37, And when he was come nigh, even now to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen. Verse 38, all together, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word this morning. Let it come alive in our hearts. Let it change our lives. In Jesus' precious name, God's we said a big amen. Now we do put those hands together and celebrate Jesus. And please do have your seats in God's presence. So keep the strings going on that. Yeah. Tony me to die me to 
says he said to them when you find a cord tied down bring it down he says tell them if they ask you the master at need of it so they were looking at a subject consecrated for the master's use when they ask you why are you untying the cord you are untying the cord because the master hath need of it the only reason why this cord can be untied is because the master has need of it. The only reason why this cord can stop being sick and now be healthy is because the master had need of it. The only reason why this cord will be delivered from the grip of sin and Satan and the devil is because the master is the master's need of it is the reason the court's deliverance. In Acts of the 9 verse 6, Paul, having acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus, Acts of the 9 verse 6, he said to Jesus, Lord, what will you have me do? That was the first question that Paul asked. When he was riding down to Damascus, the Bible says a light shone from heaven, knocked him down from his horse. He became blind and Jesus Christ says, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, he said, why persecutest thou me? He says, Lord, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus whom you persecutest. He says, Lord, what will you have me do? So Paul's heart's posture towards God on the day of salvation is that what will you have me to do? Not what will you do for me? So Paul comes into God's work in his own journey of faith with what he will do for the kingdom. What he will do for God. He didn't say, what will you have, what will you do for me? He says, what will you, what will you what will you, contrary to what we have to face today, that people come to church because they want to get a husband, come to church because they want to get a wife, come to church because they want to get money, come to church because they need a visa, come to church because they want to get healthy. Paul came to church with a, with a, with a conviction on his heart. Lord, what will you have me do? This heart posture is the real posture for a believer. The heart posture, that posture that comes into God's work with a question in your heart. God, what will you want me to do? This matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. It's the very core of this matter. That we come to God with a question in our heart. God, what will you want me to do? Give me Proverbs 23, verse 26. Do more. Proverbs 23, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. What does it say? Proverbs 23, verse 26. King James. My song, give me Proverbs 23 verse 26 please everyone open it Proverbs 23 verse 26 says my song give me thine heart give me your heart so you see 
God knows that he that has your heart has your life. Give me your heart. He that has your heart has your time. He that has your heart has your energy. And some of us are in love in the house this morning. Maybe you even saved your sweetheart's name with sweethearts. It's my heart. My heart beats. Without her, I'm dead. Without him, I have no life. But he that has your heart has your ATM card. He that has your heart, he that really has your heart, you don't withhold anything from him. So God says, give me your heart. You see, God does not ask for your money. He doesn't ask for your time. He doesn't ask for your energy. Young people, God doesn't even ask for all that. He asks for your heart. Your life will pursue where your heart is. The Bible says, for where a man's heart is, his treasure will be there. Your treasure will follow your heart. If I check your bank statement this morning, I know where your heart is. Some of you, your heart is in data. That's, that's what takes all your money. Some of us, our heart is in food. You love food. Oh, you don't joke with food. Touch me, kill me, don't starve me. Your treasure, your life, your energy, your time, everything in your life will follow your heart. So say, son, give me your heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 30 says, you would find me when you seek me. When you seek me with all your heart, you would find God. Our heart, I said, the heart of the matter. This matter of the heart is indeed the heart of the matter. That your heart is the core of your service. Anywhere your heart is, you will not be pursued or cajoled. If you love God, your heart is with him. Your time will go with him. Your time will go with him. People say he doesn't love me. Or he loves me just that he doesn't have time for me. Oh yeah. Doesn't have time for me. He that loves you will create time for you. You see, you don't find, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't use the leftover time. You create time for the persons you love. Someone says, how do you do it? How do you find time to go to the toilet? We all have time for what's important to us. Trust me. We all have time for what's important to us. That's your message that you did not respond. It's because you're not important. Trust me. If God is important for you or to you, you find time for him. If staying with God, if having a devotion, if spending time with God, no matter how, how burdened your schedule is, you will always have time to go to the toilet. He says, okay, I'm so busy, I can't go to the toilet. You will do it here. I'm so busy, I don't have time. I'm so busy, but yet you would have time. People have time to watch Man U match yesterday. They always find time. Always find time. My son, he says, give me. I says, you would seek me and you would find me. God says you would find me when you seek me with all your heart. To be consecrated means to be separated. Write that down. To be consecrated means to be separated unto God. Separated completely. Dedicated for a particular use. Someone should help me in SOJ for that song. Take my life consecrated unto thee. Look for it on Google quickly. Look for lyrics. To be dedicated to him. To be separated unto God. 
to be set apart for his use. To be consecrated means for God to push you or keep you aside like he put that cult aside for his use. That this one is my own. When we're young, we had our daddy's cup. How many of you had your daddy's cup? How many of you know that your daddy, okay, most of us, the generation might not have this kind of that, but we, we had, you know, former, former generations. There's daddy's chair. Nobody sits on daddy's chair. Even after daddy died, nobody sits on daddy's chair. That was a consecrated chair. There was a daddy's, there was a daddy's plate. You know my daddy has a daddy's spoon? Daddy's cup, particularly daddy's cup. If you break daddy's cup, just break with it. So to be consecrated is that God sets you apart for himself. God separates you in Acts chapter 13. He says, separate me Paul and Barnabas. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work I have for them. You see, he did not separate them to the work. He separated them to himself for the work. A lot of people are separated unto the work, not to the owner of the work. Separate Paul Barnabas unto me first for the work. So God separates. Even though they were in a church, he was talking to a church. He still says, separate for me even in a church. You know when Daniel was leading us in prayer, he says in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. In a great house. In every great house, there always be vessels of honor and dishonor. In a great house. In a great house. You know, one of my elder brother, pastor, Sunday was telling me that he, he was, you know, he was having challenges with some people misbehaving in the church. That one misbehaving, he throws the person out. Some misbehaving, he throws the person out. He throws that person out, throws that person out. One God, what did God turn? God said, Look, your house will not be a great house. He said, For in a great house, there's vessel unto honor and vessel. The way to know a great church is that some people will be vessel unto dishonor. Are you following my point? Yeah. If you want to have all only vessel of honor, the house will not be a great house. You are the one that will now decide whether you will be a vessel unto honor. So let me give you an example of what a vessel will do. I'll be a little bit, um, how, how do they use that language? Too much. Yeah, I'll be a little bit very ah, raw now. In your house, you have a bowl in the kitchen. Abi? So there's a bowl in the kitchen that maybe you put fried chicken in. You see that? And there's a bowl in the toilet. You see the bowl in the toilet? One is a vessel unto honor. One is a vessel unto dishonor. They may be the same color. They may have the same shape. They are in the same house. But one is a vessel unto honor. You see, you see the one that is a vessel unto dishonor. When people come to your house and they saw that this is a vessel unto dishonor, all of them will help you use it like that. Because it's a vessel unto dishonor. Bible says, he that project himself will become, you see, so it is not God that chooses the vessel of honor or dishonor. It is the vessels themselves that decide whether they'll be vessels unto honor or unto dishonor. So say, separate me, Paul. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas. God wants to consecrate you to himself alone. And that is you must willingly offer yourself to the use of the master. 
Every time. See, the word consecration is not spoken about in love in our churches anymore. Consecration means that you are set apart unto God. You are no longer the owner of yourself. You say, God, I belong to you. I belong to you, oh Lord, I belong to you. You can do with me whatever you wish. You can do with my life whatever you want. That's the prayer of a consecrated believer. You yield yourself to him. You openly, willingly, by yourself, yield yourself to God. And whether you yield yourself to God or not, you are always yielding yourself to something. You are either yielded to God or to Satan. That's the truth. God is either your master or Satan. There's no such thing as you being the master of yourself. You are either yielded to God or yielded to the devil. You are either being used by God or being used by the devil. You are either a vessel unto honor or a vessel unto dishonor. There's no middle ground. Are you following my point? In Romans chapter 6, give me the more. Romans chapter 6, verse 11, what does it say? Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves yes. to be dead indeed unto sin. Dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God. So it says you are dead unto sin and alive unto God. You see, there's no middle ground. There's no faint. You are either dead or alive. Are you following my point? There's no coma. There's no collapse. I'm either dead or alive. He says you are dead. On, and there's no way I would talk about consecration without talking about death. You see, death is the language of the kingdom. God loves the smell of death. I'm telling you the truth. God cannot trust a man that is alive because he has his will. He only uses dead men. Men who are dead to their own will. Dead to their own ambitions. Dead to their own plans. And they openly, willingly yield themselves to God. Talking about death, I would like to pick an example from the life of Elisha and Elijah. Elisha, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 to 21. I will just paraphrase because of our time. Elijah was a man, a prophet. All of us know Elijah. How many of you know Elijah? Everyone knows Elijah. Do you? I can see you. How you doing? You are doing and Danny, they engage themselves this week. Or, is it this week or last week? Eh? First, hmm. my God, <laughs> Elijah, very popular man in the scriptures. You know, even though Elijah did double the miracles of Elijah, Elijah is still more popular. I'm telling you, you have God of Elijah, send down God of Elijah, you know, God of Elijah popular guy. And God had told Elijah, your servant, this guy, Elisha, is the man that will replace you in your prophetic office. So 4 Kings chapter 19, write it down, verse 19 to 21. Tells us the story. Talking about death. Elisha was going about his business. Normal business for the day. And Elijah came and dropped his mantle on Elisha. And that's very, very illustrative, very powerful. Dropped it on Elisha and walked away. Now, Elisha understood the meaning of that. That if a prophet should drop his mantle on you, that means you are the next prophet. It's like a, like a prophet anointing a king. And here was a businessman with a thriving business. We used to call it in those days, many years ago, divine interruptions. We don't have those kind of words in church anymore these days. Every man that God used for his generation, everybody that God used in their generation, 
God interrupted them. We call them divine, divine interruptions. What it means is that none of them was allowed to finish what they were doing. Start from Abraham. You couldn't finish what you were doing. Moses, interruption. You were going this way. God comes, pa, changes your direction. David, interruption. Who again? Give me an example. Peter. Peter just caught a fish. I mean, huge fish. I'm never think that Peter could have settled properly with that fish. As he brought the fish to the shore, says, depart from me. He said, follow me. <laughs> follow me. So Peter maybe just printed his card. Peter Simon, fishes and co. Just collected the cards from Rofemi in Iraten. Business card. And now there's a miracle. In the midst of this miracle, big catch that could have settled him and put him up ahead of his colleagues. Jesus said, Follow me. So he calls Peter, interrupted his life. Calls Paul on his journey to Damascus, interrupted his life. We all know that our God is a God that interrupts. Interrupts people's life. God doesn't call idle people. Write it down. God doesn't call people who have nothing doing. He doesn't. Throughout scriptures, God loves to interrupt people in what they were doing. In fact, if you look at that first Kings chapter 19, the Bible says he saw Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing. He was plowing the land. He was doing something. You know why God cannot trust a man that's not doing anything? You know why God cannot trust a man? A man that is high do is high do. He will be useless to God. There's a reason why he's high do. Even devil didn't have work for him. You see, there are many things that God and Satan don't agree on. Many things they don't agree on. But there's one thing that God and Satan agree on is that lazy people are useless people. Satan needs an hard-working person to bring to pass his agenda. And so does God. An idle person has nothing he's doing. What are you doing? Nothing. Why are you doing nothing? Why don't you have anything you are doing? It's a problem. So we don't even know whether he's even following God because he has nothing to be doing. So the day that Canada visa opened, he would just say, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Why? He wasn't doing anything. God cannot trust idle people. So he loves to interrupt. He comes into your life when you have already made your plan. Plan A, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to, and just come. And look as if he scattered everything. I don't even know what I'm talking about here. Yes, we call it divine interruptions. You have planned that by 23, you're going to do this. By 24, you're going to your master's. By 25, you're going to, and you have all that thing planned out. Everything, somebody's saying, yay, sorted out. And a preacher will just come like Elijah and drop his mantle, bam, on you. And everything will scatter. As I'm talking now, somebody's plan is already scattered. And the preacher, like Elijah did that day, just, he just dropped the mantle. Follow me closely. And walked away as though he did nothing. 
preach a message that stirs up your heart, puts a question mark on all the plans you have for your life. Why? 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 And then he walks away and you are there scattered. Everything is scattered in your mind. Hey! This is not what I thought. But God begins to stir up questions in your spirit. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go there? Why do you want to have that? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to be there? Everything is now under question. So the man of God leaves. And like Elijah left that they walked away from Elisha. Elisha ran. I said, man of God, please, let me go on. Open that screen, 1 Kings 19, help me. 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Yes. Okay, let's celebrate the mid-depth in place. He says, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father. Divine interruptions. Let me at least kiss my father and my mother. And then, after that, I am working with civil service. It remained 10 years for me to get my gratuity. It remained 2 years for me to get my gratuity. God says, move now. Ah, wait, let me go and finish my retirement so that at least I will have something to hold on to. God says, move now. He says, the plan of God is always bigger than your plan. Yes. Let me go. And what he says, says, go back again. For what have I done to thee? Elijah said, what did I do? This is not, is it, is it between me and you? Is it between me and you? I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg, I didn't do anything. So sometimes when the preacher preaches, you know, we have to walk away. Because after preaching now, some of you, your heart is already getting troubled. Because something that God has been telling you about before, that you thought you have swept under the carpet. Now, the angels are pulling it out. This matter. Because you are hearing my voice, but you are hearing another voice. You know what I'm talking about. So you now run and say, let me go and meet Pastor Philip. He was the one that preached this message. Pastor, you know, because of out of my own, out of my own empty sympathy, I want to say, you know, well, 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 you don't have to rush. You don't have to do that. Just go and um, just be praying about it. Just still think about it a little bit. Just still think and I will say, just go and be praying. And you have been praying for five years. And you have not obeyed God. It is that prayer you have been praying now. All the things that God has been stirring your heart to do. You are praying about it and thinking about it. And planning about it. Now you have gotten married. Within that five years, your life has now gotten even more complicated. You know, life can get complicated. The most difficult decisions have to be taken fast. Or else they will get more difficult. Some of you people you are with now, you should have broken up with them last month. During the heat of relationship months. Now, this is a useless relationship. You should have broken up, but you did not break up. Now, the water has cooled down. To steer up that matter now is getting more complex. And you know that this is nowhere I should be. The most difficult decisions have to be taken very fast. God is calling you, start a business, expand your business. It looks difficult. The longer you wait, the more complicated and difficult it gets. I'm telling you the truth. So, Elijah said, ah, please, oh, I did not do anything. Just go back. Go back. Well, you know what Elisha did? Went, closed what he was doing, and followed Elijah. Followed Elijah. Now, if you don't know who Elijah is, let me tell you a bit about how deadly, adjective, how deadly it is to follow a man like Elijah. A man like Elijah is a man of the spirit. A man that they said the spirit can carry him here today and put him there tomorrow. A man that has no address, no he can just wake up and walk away and say the spirit has moved me from here. 
The spirit that says I should go to Jericho. The spirit says I should go to Bethel. The spirit says I should go. Very, very, very uncertain future. Now you are following a man that is following the spirits. The spirit is, is what, what's our plan? We are, we are following the spirit. And that's what he was doing. You know? This was a man that it was birds that was bringing his food. You know, some of us used to say, yeah, ravens. I don't know how many of you here who are ready to eat food that your chicken has pecked. I don't know. Just imagine it, that your chicken is one bringing you food. That was Elijah. It can be at the brook at Cherry today and tomorrow it's at the widow of Seraphat. Spirit has moved him. If I want my man to cry, he say, hey, if I tell the king that you are here now and the king comes here, the spirit will have moved. That's how Elijah was. Elijah had no plan for anybody. He, was, he, had, he had no responsibility for anybody. In fact, he had a, he had a servant. That servant, remember when he was on Mount Kame and was praying for the rain to fall. I don't even remember that story. And he was praying, he says, go and check, go and check, go and check. You know that servant? Go and check, go and check. The servant went, that guy was running up and down seven times. <laughs> sending him everywhere, sending him, go this, go that, go, tell the king, tell the king, tell the king, come here, go this. And after they were done, Elijah was coming down from the mountain. And he told the boy, wait here. That was the last day. That was, that was, I'm telling you. Bible said, and he abandoned that boy. That boy, maybe still, maybe still dirty today. Waiting that Elijah will come back. He took him to Bathsheba and left him there. It was very foolish for that boy to have accepted to stay in that place. Elijah never came to that place again. And he didn't remember. That guy's discipleship and mentoring handed him. So when he told Elijah, stay here! The Lord has sent to Jericho. Elijah said, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave you. You see this guy? I will not leave you. Imagine a man who had an established business. He was dead to his status. Dead to his reputation. So the only reason why you cannot do what God is asking you to do is because of your reputation. You are a man of repute. You cannot be found to be doing that kind of thing. God is whispering to you, go and join the sanitation. Go and join sanitation. You are there, you're looking at chair. Hmm, this chair is dirty. Hmm. God is telling you, go and join sanitation. You say, how can, how can someone like me? How can someone like me? And your lifting is tied to that thing. You know my brother bought Prado Jeep in those days? 2001. Brand new Prado Jeep. Tiaroba with Lilo. We were doing like this in all the streets of Abeokuta as we drove that, that Prado Jeep. It was that year, that same year it was released. And our passenger farms just brought in those Prado Jeeps. We were very happy. We were big boys in the street. Big boys in the street. Until we went to Redeem Camp that year, December. As we drove into the gate of Redeem Camp, we saw that car about 15. And they pasted sanitation, 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 sanitation. It was sanitation people. That we're using it to pack dirty. You are where you are because of your repute. Elisha was dead to his reputation. Elisha was dead to his status. Elisha was dead to even family. A man that is consecrated cannot allow family holding back. 
One of the things that I said when we were talking about Lot is that Lot is what? Who remembers? Lot is what? Lot is familiar. And Lot is what? Family. 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 Says depart. Leave your father's house. Move. Move. You cannot move because you have your eyes on father on daddy's inheritance. You cannot move. You cannot. God has, has blown your mind with thoughts. You cannot do anything because your eyes is on. You are waiting for daddy to die. You can't be great like that. You can't be great like that. Elisha, dead, consecrated himself. And no wonder his ministry was most effective. The Bible says he was so anointed that even after he died, his dry bones was reviving a dead man. Go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Now what does verse 12 say? Read through to verse 16. Romans 6. Yes? Let's see. Where's your mic? Let's see. Not therefore reign. Yes, continue what's saying. Next. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Yes. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Yes. But yield yourselves unto God. Yes. As those that are alive from the dead. Yes. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Yes. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin. Him. Yes, continue. For ye are not under law, but under grace. Yes. What then shall we sin? Yes. Because we are not under the law, but under grace. Yes. God forbid. Yes. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves to servants to obey. Who you yield yourself servants to whom you yield yourself servants to obey. What does it say? His servants ye are you to whom are ye servants obey. to whatever you obey. You are servants to whatever you obey. To whom you yield yourself. Servants to obey. Anything you obey, you are that in servant. Anything that takes a mastery over you, you yield yourself. You know, you can yield yourself as a slave to your phone. That your phone takes a mastery of you. That you cannot live without it. That you cannot do anything without it. It says you become servants to what to whatsoever. You, you give me any what does NLT say for that scripture? NLT, what does NLT say? Help me. Instead, yes, the last one you read now. Sin is no longer your master. Yes. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Yes. Well then, since God's grace has set us from the law, yes. does that mean we can go on sinning? Of yes. course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatsoever you, you choose to obey? You become the slave of whatsoever you choose to obey. Right now, you have the right of choice. You have a right to choose who to obey. You can say, I will choose to obey Jesus. I will choose to follow Jesus. And all the arguments around submission and non-submission is still the same thing. You have a right to choose who to obey. All of us must obey something. All of us must yield to something. You yield your head to your baba. He turns your head like this. Does he want you mean? I'm, I'm the, he says, turn your head like this. You yield your head as a woman to your hairdresser. She walks on your hair. She shifts your hair like this. She put, bends your hair like this. You stay like that. Say, stay like that. You stay like that. Because you chose who to obey. He says, to whom you choose, today you have a right of choice. Whose servant you will be? Are you going to be the servant of Jesus or the servant of Satan? And anything we yield to him, 
we become, we, we become a servant to Christ. And when you become the servant of Christ, there's no limit. There's no, absolutely no limit to what God can do with your life. Anything you give to him, he owns it. Psalm 89 verse 20, as I round up because of my time. Psalm 89 verse 20 says, I found David. I found David, my servant. I have found David, Psalm 89 verse 20. I have found, he says, my servant. I found David, my servant. I didn't find David, my king. I found David. God is looking for servants to anoint. God rewards service, not status. I have found David. He was looking and he found David a servant. And the moment he found David a servant, he anointed David. Anything that God finds serving, he would anoint. Anything you yield to him, he would anoint it. Kai, if you give him today your skill, he will anoint it. If you yield today your voice, your voice, he would anoint your voice. If you give him today your hands, I say, Lord, I yield my hands to you. He would anoint your hands. God does not use what does not belong to him. If God does not own it, he will not use it. So he said to Moses, Genesis chapter 3, he said, throw down your rod. He said, what's in your hand? He said, my rod. A rod. This rod, your rod, drop it. And Bible says, Moses dropped the rod. And when he was going to pick that rod from that day, it became the rod of God. No longer the rod of Moses. That rod became a consecrated rod. Nobody could weld it anyhow. It was it, with that rod, he parted a Red Sea. With that rod, he brought the Red Sea back because he surrendered that rod to God. Anything you surrender to God, your skill, if you surrender your skill to God and say, Lord, you own it, he would take hold of it and anoint it. He said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, I'm a child. He said, bring your mouth, touch this mouth. He said, I put my words in your mouth. He said, today I set you against kingdoms and against nations. And that day, the mouth of Jeremiah became an engine room that was collapsing governments because he yielded it to God. Your eyes, give it to God. Your ears, give it to God. Your body says that you present yourself a living sacrifice. You are a sacrifice. You yourself. God is not asking for a sacrifice from him who is not already a sacrifice. So your entire life is a sacrifice in the hands of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. So you dedicate your eyes to him. You don't watch porn. You can't watch porn and see visions. You can't. I'm telling the truth. And there are people here whose eyes were sharp. You could see far. But you started to watch corruption. You yielded your eyes as servants to corruption. And so you lost the fire. But if you open and say, Lord, take my eyes of worthless things. Open your ears. God wants to speak to you. Open your mouth. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He wants to fill your mouth with words. But you can't keep speaking bitter water and expect sweet water to come out of the same fountain. Impossible. 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 Today you must tell God, I'm consecrating myself to you. Then I got the Elisha came. I said, okay, lift up your hands. You don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that your life cannot be the same. We call it divine interruptions. You can't go back and do business as usual. You can't go back and live your life as usual. Anything you give to him, when he holds it, like that song says, I hear me when he holds your life, your life becomes a glory to him. Becomes a glory to him. Becomes a glory to him. You are consecrated unto him. Pastor E. Adebe gave his story. He said, his own ambition, time is up, his vision was to be the youngest vice chancellor in Africa. He was a lecturer in the University of Lagos. And he wants to be the youngest VC ever in Africa. I don't think that's a very big plan. <laughs> a big plan indeed. And the Lord called him to begin to interpret for an illiterate. This was a PhD holder interpreting for a man who he knew more than. Because you must be dead to your reputation. He said, I have found David, my servant. God is not looking for status. He's looking for service. God does not reward title. He rewards service. I have found David. That's why Eliab was a general in the army. But he was not a servant. God said, I found David, my servant. It was David that would kill Goliath. So God called him and he started to interpret for this man. People would laugh at him. You must be dead to shame. His friends laughed at him. Ah, ah. Did you hear what Adebo is doing? Adebo, they said Adebo is going to go and be interpreting from one local church somewhere. And there he was, interpreting. Interpreting. <laughs> if only he saw the future. You see, you are here interpreting someone else's dreams. Not knowing that that place where you are standing will soon be your place. When Ruth sat in the, in, the, in the threshing floor of Boaz, she was walking and serving, walking and serving. She did not know that this threshing floor will soon be her home. You don't even know where you are doing, where you are. He says, he that is faithful in little, he that is faithful in little, is also faithful in much. It is from this small. He says, he that was not faithful in what does not belong to him, who will give him his own? Who? Who will give him his own? He was serving, interpreting. Interpreting. Then one day, he became the geo. Ah! But this was not his plan still. He was living in a duplex. I think he was living in a du maybe duplex. I don't know how big the house is, but according to his narration, it was a very big place. And the Lord, because of his work, he had to move into another place, very close to church. Then God says, it's now time for you to resign. You see, God takes you, small, small. He lures you into destiny. See, because if he shows you everything at once, you will not go. Sometimes, some of us, the reason why you have not done what you are supposed to do is because you don't have people. So God can lure you with people. Some people just say, don't worry, we are on your side. We are with you. We go with you. We stand by you. Yes, we are here. We stay here. The moment you move into it, the vamos. But now you have put your legs into the water. It now remains you and God. So God can lure you into destiny. When they moved into that house, it was a small house. His wife said, there was one day, there was no meat to eat. And Pastor Jimmy said, a day is coming. If you want to eat a full cow on the plate like this, say you have it. So they paid the price. They died to self, died 
to status. They became consecrated beings to God. The story is different today. Redeem is a nation on its own. You see, all of us are children of Daddy Gio. Whatever we are, we are all children of Daddy Gio. His children are multitudes. If he sits like this and says, let someone shout hallelujah, the world would hear. Today, indeed, if his wife wants to eat a full cow, he wants to eat a full cow. He gave a testimony. He had gone to eat in one of his church members' house who was waiting on the Lord for the fruit of the womb. And they served them. And the moment he finished, he finished the food, that, that woman was very, very unhappy. He said, Daddy has finished. He said, do you want more? He said, give me more. So he gave, they gave him a little bit more. He said, now ate it and couldn't finish it. The moment he removed his hand, the husband and wife pounced on the food. And they ate it first. Ah, what happened, what happened? Say, God, I told them, just eat whatever Adeboe eats and lives over. He said, these people are not poor. They have at least 110 healing stations. They are not poor. So he has just a nameless member that has 110 healing stations. I don't even know the name of the member. But consecration, as you serve God, he says if they obey and serve him, they will live their life in prosperity. They will live their years in pleasure. But you must first take that step and say, Lord, I belong to you. My skills are yours. My gift is yours. My life is yours. I don't want to live for myself again. I don't want to live to satisfy my own pleasure. I want to live for God. I want to satisfy your will and your plan because your plan ultimately is bigger than my plan. And the moment he finds you, he anoints you. When you give him bread and two fishes, he would bless it. He would multiply it and it will feed thousands. That's, how the, that's the kind of God you serve. This morning, I want to lead you. Enough of living for yourself. Enough of living for your pleasure. Enough of living to satisfy yourself. Pastor, 
I'm done living for myself. I know there are definitely people here in this church this morning who want to stop living for themselves. I want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to live for Jesus. I want to serve him with my life. Now there's a category of people like that. But there's also a category of people who don't even know Jesus. Who come to church, who love church, who love the sound, the music, who maybe were born in Christian homes but never had a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, you are the most important person in this church this morning. If you're here and you don't even have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you used to have, but you walked away from him. Maybe you used to love him. Maybe you used to have a fervency in your spirit. But maybe somehow something happened. You lost a loved one. You lost a job. You lost your dad. You believed God for a miracle and nothing happened. You got disappointed. You lost confidence in God and you walked away. Maybe something happened to you. Something internal that no one can see. Or something external that everyone saw. And yet because of all that, you walked away from the love of the Father. Maybe you are here this morning. But the arms of the Father is stressed out. Willing and ready to embrace you this morning. You are my first and most important person in church today. If you're in church today and you don't have a walk with Jesus, that means if the trumpet should sound now, you are not even sure of your eternity. You are not sure of an eternity with Jesus. You are the most important person. You can leave this building the same way you came. You can't even step out. You can't step out into a world of uncertainty without having a certainty, eternity with Jesus. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Hayemi, if you're in church this morning, I want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I don't know Jesus. I don't have a walk with him. But I want to know him. Today I want to make a decision for Christ. Right where you are. Right where you are seated. All eyes closed and all heads bowed. I want you to lift up your right hand. I want to see where you are. Right where you are. Lift it up. I want to see. Thank you. God bless 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 you. Lift it up. 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 You want to have a walk with Jesus. You don't have a walk with him. Or you've walked away from him. Or you never knew him. Where you are with all eyes still closed and all heads still bowed. I want to rise on your feet with confidence. Be dead to self. Be dead to your reputation. Don't even care what anyone thinks. This is you and Jesus. Right where you are. If you lift up your right hand, please stand up. Stand up and come and meet me in the front here. Please come, 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 come. If you lift up your hands, come and meet me right where I am. Come. Maka, brate. To dami. To mamiyo. Iwani obatoni. If you lifted up your hands, please, you need to hurry up. Don't put down your hands. If you lifted up your hands, please come out. I need to pray. You can't leave this place and go back to what you were or where you were or what you were doing. You can't do that. You can't do that. You must come out. You must come out. You must come out. You must give your life to him completely. That's where to start. That's the most important decision you would ever make. You are, that's the most, the most important thing you ever make. The most important thing you ever make. Oh, but
In this corner of the church right here, this corner, maybe you are still thinking about it. Maybe should I come out? Maybe should I, I should, maybe I should sit down on my seat and do it right here. I want you to know that there's something powerful about you coming up boldly, like Elisha. You want to say, Master, my life is for you. So if you are in this corner, you want to say, Pastor, even though I didn't raise up my hand the first time, but can you please include me? I don't want to go back home unsaved. Go back home unsure. Maybe you are right here in this corner of the church. I want to lift up your hands, please. I don't want you to go back the same way you came. Whatever, please lift up your hands. I'm so eager to see you come to Jesus. That's why I came to church. That's why I prayed. That's why I sought the face of God. That you would not go back into where you were. Go back into the hands of sin and Satan. If you're here and you didn't lift up your hands the first time, you want to say, Pastor, I didn't lift up my hands the first time, but please, can you include me? Can you include me? Lift up your right hand just where you are. All eyes closed, please. All eyes closed. I want you to make this as easy as possible for them. Lift up your hands. Lift up. You didn't come the first time, but you are still here. You know you should come out. You know you should come out. Enough of living for yourself. Enough of living to please yourself. Enough. Enough. Enough of that. Jesus is here. His hands are open wide. The master is here. The court will be untied because the master had need of it. The court will be untied. The only reason why the court can be untied is because the master has need of it. If the master has no need of this court, then no one will untie it. The court will remain tied to sickness, tied to death, tied to death, tied to the devil, tied to the world, tied to Satan, tied to every terrible thing you can think of. But the master has sent for you today, untie the court because the master had need of it. Untie, untie. Is somebody ready to be untied this morning? Someone who's tired of being tied down to sin, tied down to addictions, tied down to all kinds of stuff. But God has sent for you, the king has sent for you. Somebody will sit it there who needs to come to the master. Don't sit back, tie down to all that stuff when the master has sent for you. I Jesus, I come to you today. I can't save myself. 
I ask Lord that you save me that you blot my name from the book of death and write my name in the book of life come into my heart come into my life today I declare that you're my Lord and my personal Savior Father Lord in the name of Jesus standing before you today are my new siblings the family is getting bigger and bigger I thank you for what you're doing I thank you for drawing men and women to yourself I ask Lord Jesus that you do for them what you have done for me I ask that you do to them what you have done to me change their life come into their hearts be their Lord and their Savior bring them into the family thank you for lasting Father in Jesus precious name because we said a big amen now is the time for you to celebrate Jesus come on Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.